You are now listening to The Oliver Manley Show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Oliver Manley Show. I'm your host, Oliver Manley's, and here we get an inside look at world-class leaders and how they navigate breakdowns and turn them into breakthroughs. As always, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, and you can find links to all the ways that you can listen to the episodes at olivermanalise.com forward slash show. As well, you will find links to the books, resources, videos, and people mentioned from each episode. That's olivermanalise.com forward slash show. Quick announcement for 2019. I know we're getting into 2019 stuff already, but I'm very excited to announce that I'll be hosting the next Reinvention Roadmap in Oakville, Ontario on March 2nd and 3rd. That is a weekend immersion experience with me. If you are a high achiever and have realized that what got you to the success that you are won't get you to what's next and what's possible for you, I would like to invite you to Reinvention Roadmap. There, we'll go through a step-by-step framework to help you break through the monotony and predictability of your current success and have you leaning in to the edge of what is possible for you, your relationships, your business, and your life. For tickets and info, go to reinventionroadmap.ca and as a valued listener, use the promo code POSSIBILITY to save yourself 10%. Seats are limited to 12, so make sure you lock yours up today. That is reinventionroadmap.ca, promo code POSSIBILITY. Today, I'm very excited to share with you my conversation with Dr. Terry Tillart. I've known Terry for many years. He's been a huge source of inspiration, and I wanted to have him on the show for a while now because he's had a really powerful way of delivering the insights he knows can transform the health and quality of your life. Be forewarned, he is bold and has a lot to say, and a lot of what he says will challenge you, but this is exactly why I created the show, to have you think, take ownership over your life, make new decisions, and be empowered. Without further ado, it is with pleasure that I present to you the one, the only, Dr. Terry Tillart. Welcome to another episode of The Oliver Manley Show. I'm here with Dr. Terry Tillart. And if you don't know Dr. Terry Tillart, you can find him at terrytillart.com. That's with a double L and a double A. He graduated with a PhD in natural medicine from Kingdom College of Natural Health, certified by Texas Chiropractic College Division of Postgraduate Studies. Though he's proud of this accomplishment, he viewed it more as a formality given that results, not credentials, are what matter. Dr. Terry Tillart has been educating people for over 15 years and has spoken across North America to thousands of people on his tour called Cancer, The Fear Ends Here. Through the years, he has shared the stage with many prominent experts, such as Dr. Ben Johnson from the hit movie The Secret, Dr. Sabina DeVita, founder of the Institute of Energy Wellness Studies, just to name a few. He's also been featured as an expert in an upcoming documentary on cancer. He has created multiple health programs and has successfully taught people how to strategically heal from different health challenges, including cancer, autism, rheumatoid arthritis, and many more by focusing on results and proper testing. His knowledge and success have landed him both on faculty and the board of advisors at the Institute of Energy Wellness Studies. He studied with a wide variety of mentors, including NDs, HDs, DNMs, DCs, PhDs, TCMs, and other natural health practitioners. 
Terry, te- Terry shares a ton of his wisdom through his Facebook videos where he shares studies and findings about health, wellness, and nutrition. And every once in a while, he posts his mouth-watering, colorful concoctions that he's enjoying on his <laughs> plate, which I, I hope you do more of, Terry. He's, uh, he has a really deep interest in creating healing homes that incorporates air and water filtration, clean sleeping, and chemical-free living. Uh, underneath all this, Terry is just someone who I've known for so many years. He has an insatiable thirst for knowledge. He's driven to help as many people as possible and always open to challenging the status quo. Terry, welcome to the show, man. Jeez, Oliver, that's quite the intro, man. Uh, long time no talk. Love, love being back on here with you. Really grateful that you're having me on the call. And, uh, Let's get into it, man. Whenever you're, whenever you're ready. I'm glad you like the food post, by the way. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I shared one with you where I was trying to duplicate one of your pictures with the, the sp- spaghetti squash with a vegetable medley with a garlic horseradish sauce on top. I was just like, geez, doesn't get any better than that. I had to try it. And I feel like I did a, did a decent job based on my, my first time experience with it. So, Attaboy. Attaboy. So your, your posts have, me, have had me thinking... Um, ever since, like ever since we've been friends, like you're always just posting very, very bold statements and, and like dropping truth bombs. And I want us to get into that, but I would love for people to get an idea of how are you spending your days right now? Like how, how does Terry spend his day and his week? Like give us a little bit of a snapshot of what that looks like. Well, um, I spend my most of the days and most of the week. I mean, I, I, I get up, I, I try and keep up with the fitness routine. You know, I'm not here to, I'm not training to be a bodybuilder, but I like keeping fit. That's important to me. You know, body weight exercises, all that good stuff. I like to keep the, you know, keep the diet clean, you know, not living perfect. I don't teach living perfect. I teach people to do mostly right things most of the time. Unless you're sick and trying to recover your health, then it's different. But you, you've got to have something that's sustainable, something that you can always look forward to. Uh, and then I do a lot of one-on-one calls with people from around the world. I mean, the past few weeks, I've been talking to people in Switzerland, Malaysia, uh, Tasmania, Australia, uh, New Zealand, uh, Switzerland, Oman, helping people who have health challenges who are tired of fluff. They're tired of generalizations. They're looking for distinctions that matter and trying to get down to the truth. They're just tired of suffering often in most cases. So I'm here to help them with their health. And so we fit a lot of that in. And then when I'm not doing that, my wife and I try to make sure we spend some quality time together, do some fun stuff. And I like to get creative in the kitchen. You know, I don't want to be bored with healthy eating and healthy living. And so it's been important for me to to work. I, I'm a sauce and spices kind of guy. Like I love ethnic cuisines. I love big, bold flavors. I'm not just bold with the statements. I'm bold in the kitchen. And um, so I, I like I like to cultivate real depth in sauces because i think if you're going to eat mostly plant-based clean foods what keeps it exciting is those sauces and spices so i always like to you know fit that part into my fit that part of my life you know so uh not always on a daily basis we don't always do fancy stuff we do a lot of very very simple foods but we got to mix it up with some exciting stuff sometimes yeah that, that's one thing that i noticed you, you really accentuate the the importance of having delicious healthy food yeah, well, you know, I, I mean, I love 
real simple stuff like fruit. Like I just I'm I'm in love with fruit. So real simple stuff like that's fine, but you're always gonna crave something savory at some point in time. And so your savory can't be bland and boring, otherwise you're gonna be pulled in every different direction for different temptations. But if it truly satisfies you and if you can wow guests sometimes, like so if none of your friends in your life are living the same lifestyle as you, you want to still impress them when they come over. And I like to use my kitchen as a place to inspire people to make better choices, to make healthier choices, to make more plant-based choices. And I think the only way to do this is to wow them with it. You know, so we make a, a friend – a friend just told me the other day who uh, – she came over, I don't know, let's say about a year ago. Um, I've also helped her with many health problems over the years, but she, she ended up visiting our area, stayed at our place, and I made her our lasagna. She said, yeah, that's the best lasagna I've literally ever had. And there's no gluten, there's no meat, and there's no dairy in it. And I bought none of the products. I make it completely from scratch. It's like it's, just, it's the best. Like I've got to learn how to get the depth of flavors you get into that sauces because you, you, you can fool anybody. And we do the same with the pizza. We make, I make a queso dip. I, we make, I even make mac and cheese with, with no cheese and, and no external products. And my brother came over. He's like, I went for five helpings after I was full. It's so addictive and so ridiculously cheesy. How the hell do you do it? I've just been working on it for years because I want to impress my guests and say, listen, you don't need to eat that other bad stuff. You can invest in some culinary skills, even if you did the basics, and get to a place where you're satisfied with healthy stuff. You know, so I, I, I love that philosophy. <laughs> I love that philosophy. So you, you, you work with people on a number of different issues. I see a lot of people posting uh, their testimonials on your website and you share their testimonial testimonials about getting off medications for different things like thyroid issues, diabetes issues, cancer is a big one for you. Uh, there's weight loss in there. Like there's so many different things. And I, I would love for the people who are listening to get some context around that. Like what has got you like maybe three defining moments that have got you to the place where you are now. Well, I think first is, is, is there's a central story that kind of set me on this path. You know, so I grew up playing hockey. I'm, I'm from Canada. I played hockey my whole life. And I took all the, you know, I took all the highest level nutrition classes you could get in school. And then we had trainers with the hockey team who would teach us a lot about health and nutrition. Oliver, I thought I knew everything. I knew about carbs. I knew about protein. I knew about fats and the food pyramid. I had this thing locked down. And then I read a book from Tony Robbins, which wasn't about health, uh, but he had several chapters on health, about the idea that you need good health for energy and performance to achieve any goal that you're after in life. So, you know, if health is not your primary passion. It's still really important to be mindful of your health so you have the energy to do things that you want to do with your time on this planet. And he flipped everything I thought I knew on its head in that, in that book. Like, it, it drove me crazy. And I thought, this guy's not going to risk his billion-dollar reputation on, on nonsense. And he had some great quotes and sources, incredible stuff. And then I realized something triggered me. Okay, if, if, if everybody was in on a lie that big, everyone was in on a lie that big that, that the, the teachers, the doctors, the nurses, the textbooks, uh, the, 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 the Channel 6 News, the television shows, they're all telling me the same stuff that's completely untrue about health. I thought, well, where there's smoke, there's fire. You know, they, they didn't that, – that's not, that's not where the, the lying ended and that it was very deliberate to be on that kind of a level that they were all in on it. And, and that – and I said, okay, well – I blindly trusted that. I'm not going to blindly trust Tony either. I, I got to know the truth. I've got to go and verify this for myself now. I realize something's wrong if I'm not verifying things. There's problems down the road with not doing that. And that got me like on a mad quest for the truth. I just want to know the damn truth about everything. 
and I didn't care about my past belief systems. My identity metaphor was, wasn't rooted in those things. Like, it didn't matter what I learned growing up. I was willing to just throw it all out. It was like, throw everything out that's not true. I just want to know the truth on everything. And, and like, that put that sent me into great places in my life, and it also sent me in some dark places in my life. Learning the truth about everything is not comfortable. It's not, it's not always pleasant. It's not always nice. Learning that your entire life was a lie was not always warm and fuzzy. It just wasn't. And then realizing that if I want to live some truth in my life, I got a lot of change to make. But so that, that's, that, then I started realizing they were lying about cancer. And that one pissed me off. That really got under my skin, you know? Uh, because then How I did thought, that come about? Uh, which was the next part of the story. So two uncles get cancer. One really wants to live. The other one's wanting people to go fetch him milkshakes while he's in the hospital. Like, he didn't give a shit. So whatever. That's his own choice. Uh, you know, he was a good man when I was around. He was good to me. I have nothing but fond memories. But he didn't want to live, and I saw that very quickly because I was marching in the hospital to you know, drop some truth bombs, and no one wanted to hear them. Uh, the other uncle had just married to the family. First time I ever see my aunt happy, and that was that was a big concept for me. So – he pulls me aside because at the dinner table sometimes I was starting to complain about what was being served at the dinner table. Because to me it's like, well, I love you guys, so that's why I'm going to poison you at the family dinner. You know, that's how I that's how I could that's all I saw, right? It's like I love you so much, I'm going to serve this 100% buffet of poison. And so you know, so I was like, no, that's that's not a very loving act, you know. So I'd harass my mom, like, okay, all right, all right, it's time for some changes. You don't want to change everything. We got to change some things, all right. It's, it can't, it can't. I don't want to eat any of this stuff for starters. I don't care if they're comfort foods, like. So that that's that kind of and then and then at the table someone would say, Well, what about this? And then I chime in, trying to be gentle. Anyway, this uncle caught on to the fact. He pulls me aside and he says, Listen, I've got cancer. The doctors are trying to talk me into chemo radiation surgery. He said, I recognize I cannot heal with poison. I was like, Man, that is the greatest first step ever. Like that is the biggest message I'm always trying to drive home to people. You cannot heal with poison, and you cannot heal with poison, and you cannot heal with poison, and it's never going to change. So he says to me, he says, well, I've got daughters and your aunt, and, and, and you know, I, I think I just need to go and get – do a few rounds of chemo, get it under control. That's all I got to do, right? And I, I said, Ray, it's a mistake. He said, I know that everything you're saying is right. He said, unlike what they're saying, I recognize that everything you're saying is right. That's why I pulled you aside. So here's my question for you, and this changed my life. What would you do if you were in my shoes if I don't do chemo? I couldn't answer him. I couldn't give him a good answer. I grew up in a small town. I'd never heard of a naturopathic doctor. I never heard of homeopathic doctors. I knew about chiropractors and physical therapists. I was as far outside of the MDs as I had gone. I had some shoulder injuries. I went to see them. That's the farthest I had gone. How old old were you? uh, This would have been – ooh, how old would I have been? I would have been around 20-ish. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly the year, and I don't recall the year, but it's been a long time. It had a big impact on my life. So I couldn't answer him. I just I just didn't know what to say at that time. So I just turned to him, and I just said, like, I don't know. I don't know. I wish I knew. I just know damn well that what you're about to go do is wrong. It's a mistake. Um, and I said, but I don't want the responsibility of, of, of taking you on, and I don't know where to send you. And that dwelled in my head. So he goes into the hospital, signs up for a few rounds of chemo, never left, melted in his footprint, doesn't make it, terrible. He was in the happiest chapter of his life, all that stuff. And then I saw how much devastation it created around him. You know, it wasn't just him that hurt. Dying is much harder on the living than it is on the dying. Yeah. 
you know, I saw all that pain. I said, what's my answer if my parents get cancer next? What the hell am I going to tell them? I'm, I'm blasting them all the time to stay away from the doctors and the drugs, but to, could I really know what to, where to send them? I said, well, there had to be other cancer experts. There's no damn way I'm the only one. So I started looking into it. Historically, there were some. That was a great starting point for me to learn a lot of things. There was a lot of dogma in what they were teaching, but a lot of right things also. And then, you know, Tony Robbins always said, if you want to learn something, you stand on the shoulders of giants. That's the fastest way. It's not in textbooks. Still to this day, I've got lots of post-secondary education. That's not where I learned the truth about anything. You, you get those things to shut up the critics, and you, and you hopefully go to learn something. I mean, that's always the plan. You do intend to learn, but you don't learn the real distinctions. You learn those from the shoulders of giants. And uh, that, that changed my whole life. I, I, decided, I decided around that time that if my parents ever got cancer and I didn't know where to send them, I'd better become the expert if I was going to keep talking about what they ought to do and what they ought not to do. And then what, what, what's my answer when my next uncles or my next cousins or my siblings got cancer? What would I say to them then? And if I can't find any experts, I guess I better become one. And so that, that, that's what sent me on that path. You know, this has not always been a fun journey. I've got in and out of it. I would call it you know, retired from it for, in several chapters of my life. I'd rather be doing more fun entrepreneurial ventures, but this stuff brings me back to what happens when someone's suffering. Am I not going to help them when it comes down to it? What happens for the few who really want to learn, really want the truth, really are ready for discipline? Do I just say, I don't do that anymore. I'm done. You know, I, I do other things and screw yourself. I, I, that doesn't feel good either. So mm. I'm always stuck in this rock in this hard place. You get online, you drop a truth bomb. It's all these haters with no clue what they're talking about. Their responses always clearly demonstrate they've never read one single study on the subject, but it's the same chirping and the same, you know. Yeah, I, I want to say get, I want to get into that. That's one of the things I would love to love for us to address is the, is the critics and the haters because you you do get a lot of flack for uh, dropping some wisdom, dropping the studies as well. But I, I would love to because you mentioned the dark times. I would love to know like what what. Is so ch I could only imagine, but what is so challenging uh, from your experience when it comes to dealing with these these kinds of issues? I mean, cancer itself is such a it's emotional. It's a hot topic, and you're it's trying to topic, and you're trying right. to help people, <laughs> and you're trying to go out of your way to invest thousands of dollars and thousands of your own hours to educate yourself and kind of spread spread an important message. Um, can you go into that a little bit? Well, you know, that, that is it. You, you, you spend tens and tens and tens of thousands of hours and tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars with one sole intent. The, the, whole th the whole journey, I know of nobody on this journey who didn't do it with great intentions to begin with. You know, they're passionate about the subject. They wanted to help people. They wanted to protect those who really cared and want to just prevent people from that, from that nasty fate when it's all preventable. You want to do that. You inherently do. And, you know, you can't you can't you cannot go in the online world, especially in 2018 and not 15 years ago and expect to be an individual uh, and not get a lot of flack and not have critics. You know, William Cooper said it really well. He said the problem with telling the real truth is that you piss everyone off, <laughs> uh, you know, and and you, you but you can't live your life just being dictated to by other people that you have to fit in some social box or some societal norms. Otherwise, you're not going to say anything. You just might as well just 
turn off your mic and turn off your camera, you, you know, like because there's no, there's no such thing as that not coming in. But even outside of the health world, even outside of the cancer, knowing that every institution in the world's lying to you, knowing what the central bankers really pulled off, you know, when you learn the truth about a lot of the wars and the staged events and the and they're just letting people die by the millions and they don't give a crap at all. And, and, and they teach people the they invest billions of dollars in teaching people the opposite of the truth. There was a great quote from the former CIA director. He said, we'll know our mission's complete when everything the American public believes is false. You know, that was in the 1980s. They, they knew that, and they're very good at it, and they still do to this day. That's why every new fad book that comes out, and there's always a new fad book that will always be there. And the meat and dairy industry is behind that, and their publishing houses are behind that, and they popularize that, and then they make sure that gets televised. And so it's just one thing after another designed to confuse people all the time. So... No matter what you say, because everyone thinks that somehow people uh, ironically think the truth changes every week. <laughs> how, how, uh, how do you, uh, in particular, distinguish the dogma from the truth? Being around it long enough and being someone who's not attached to that stuff. Like, here's the thing that people don't get when you're online. It's like somehow it gets falls through the cracks. We all wish we were omnivores. We all wish we could eat any fucking thing that we want. Who doesn't wish that? Who doesn't wish we could just eat all the sweets and all the garbage and drink all the wonderful craft beer and all the wine? We all wish we could do all of that stuff. Who the hell wants to take their, their money and say, I'm going to buy a water filter instead of a vacation right now? Nobody wants to inherently do that, but if you're being honest and objective, you recognize the importance and you place more value sometimes on the important than on the things that are easy and convenient and entertaining. Like you're going to have to you, – you, you just – you have to stare at those things in the face at once. So I grew up a meat and potatoes guy. I grew up in a meat and potatoes guy. That used to be an identity metaphor. Before I even knew about the concept of identity metaphors, I distinctly remember myself telling people – I was a meat and potatoes guy. I used to use that exact statement. You know, to come and learn that it's all horrible for you wasn't any more comfortable for me than it was for anybody else. You know, I grew up eating a relatively standard North American diet. You know, my parents try not to do too many processed foods. They try and keep the sugar and the pop and the candies to a minimum, and they try to do mostly home-cooked meals. I mean, they try to make some good choices. They try to make sure there's always fruits and vegetables in the house. I'm not saying they did a poor job. It's just that the difference between what is true and what they were doing is the size of an ocean, you know, which they see clearly now and I see clearly now. So and when not, you say true, like it's more about – it sounds more about like if you're looking into the data, does this lead to health and well-being? Well, the A, there's the data, and then there's a lot of ways to define truth outside of data, too. Like, data is there to verify common sense, to verify logically consistent statements, to verify what nature is already there to teach us. You know, so if I tell you that every known species, and I know of no exception, if there's one, you know, like we're really nitpicking, but I know of no exception, every species on the planet when they're sick does some fasting. Dear humans, take some notes. If you think that that is not a truism on this planet that you are staring at, you know, like, uh, and what were we told when we were kids? Hey, when you're sick, make sure you get some food and you get some chicken noodle soup. You can't eat nothing. You got to eat something. It's always you got to eat something to keep your energy levels up. 
that, that uh, you're staring at a wild falsehood. Again, there's all these things that we're told to, that perpetuate the illness, of course, because in the wild that doesn't happen. It's so obvious. If, if, if no animal on the planet, no species on the planet requires any mechanical objects to find, capture, hunt, consume, forage, whatever, food that is appropriate for their species, that would be a very, very good hint from nature that if it's made for you, it requires no mechanical objects. No external tools, no fire necessary, no species on the planet uses any. You know, one of the things I teach people in my one-on-ones and in all my programs is here's a great definition of a suboptimal food source for humans. It's, it's, it's actually the perfect definition of a suboptimal food source for humans. If I must cook it to consume it, if I must cook it to consume it, that is the most perfect definition of a suboptimal food source. Like, Explain. You, you, well, okay. I, I use the chicken metaphor with people all the time. A lot of people say, I don't eat meat. All I eat is chicken. Can I let, it, let a few things slide? You know, come on. I don't eat meat. All I eat is seafood. Just let it slide. And I'm like, oh, listen, you can let anything slide that you want. The original word doctor meant educator. My job is simply to give you the objective truth and clarify some real stuff for you. And then we all need to decide what we're going to live with. We're all going to zig and zag. We're not going to live perfect all the time. Who the hell would want to? Life would be so boring doing that. I have no interest in doing that. I tried that chapter, been there, done that. The only people who want to do that get their identity metaphors locked in it. And then it becomes a religion to them. And then they join social media and It's groups. another dogma. It's another dogma, and then their name changes. It's, it's, it's John or Jane, middle name, their dogma, and then their last name, right? <laughs> So all of a sudden it changed, like, you know, so uh, I'm John uh, Mango Arian. Okay, (laughs) your name's not Mango something. You like mangoes, but it shouldn't become your identity metaphor. I like mangoes, too. I didn't change my name to Mango. (laughs) Um, Back to my point, and I digress. I take the chicken example with people. And I just say, okay, if you want to look at a suboptimal food source, just look at it objectively. Every health department on the planet right now, 2018, and for a very long time, is all over every restaurateur, every food caterer, every person in the world about how they store the chicken, the temperature, where it goes, how many days it is. Don't let the broccoli touch where the chicken is. Use separate cutting boards. Don't use the knife. Wash your hands. Cook it long enough, not to this temperature, not to this, and on and on and on and on. On. Why? Because it could kill you if you don't. If the carrots touch where the friggin' chicken is, it could kill you, so we better make sure that it doesn't. <laughs> and lots of people die every year. It's not like a major cause of death, but people do die every year of salmonella and food poisoning-related illnesses. Like, it happens. And you're talking about something that can kill someone within 12 hours. And you're talking about something that, you know, you go and order some Chinese for some Thai food. If you've ever had this experience, I've had this experience where they put about three ounces of the chicken in there that might have been there one day too long, undercooked Mm. for only 60 seconds, whatever that is, and you wake up in the middle of the night in the fetal position wishing you were dead, breaking out in cold sweats. I mean mad, ridiculous cold sweats, shivering. Everything's expelling out of every orifice you have, and you're like (laughs) just wishing you were dead. Over three ounces of someone who missed the who missed the benchmark by only ten percent, or like a few degrees, or a few. Yeah, right, few we're talking minutes. about ten percent, ten percent, two millimeters. He's off by two millimeters, and somehow in the mishandling, you know. 
and and it can lead me to to that level of illness. What that would be like a pretty good hint from your body screaming at you with a megaphone that you're not supposed to eat that. Contrast that with my cat or my dog who's a carnivore. What I challenge people to. Go out and catch a chicken in the wild. I'd like to see somebody do it. One that's not like confined in any way. Yeah, one that's not confined in any way. No mechanical objects. Like Rocky. 30 days from, yeah, 30 days from now, you're still going to be starving. Rocky had to catch him in a confined space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was lucky. In, in a confined space. Go find one in the wild and try and do that. Versus my cat, if he wants some chicken... He goes and bites through the trachea. He can catch him no problem, no mechanical objects necessary. He eats the birds, the beaks, the feathers, the talons, the eyeballs, and a boatload of fur. Just like that. And the tendons and all the nasty bits. And he must consume the bones or lose his health. He must consume the bones. So he produces an enzyme called uricase. Designed for the digestion and consumption of animal flesh. He produces over 100,000 times more stomach acid than I do. He, he is designed for the task. People say, well, well I only eat and red we don't meat. Have that. Bad... I only eat red meat. I heard bad things about poultry. Well, jump on a cow's back and try and take a bite. He'll swat you off like a mosquito. <laughs> um, versus, you know, it just would. You don't have the mechanical wherewithal for the task. So that's more of like, like a first principles uh argument it's a first principles argument it's so logical it's so standard it's so nature derived and then the data also backs up and confirms it yeah of course but like, but, but like if you try to do what the cat did just because you want to prove a point on youtube and you thought it would get you a billion dollars and you brought an emt team with you and you tried to eat the chicken in that way they they there's a slim to none chance and slims out of town that they could save you if they were on site like you're gonna die if you tried to do that that is like nature screaming at you. Like that's that is not food for you. <laughs> you so would what's die with the, if you the tried paleo, to do um, the, There's the paleo argument that in the Paleolithic era, humans uh, they survived on primarily meat and fat. Well they, well, they didn't, and several brave anthropologists have written books saying that's all complete mythology. Born from, of course, big industry trying to perpetuate this ridiculous mythology. That's absolutely not what happened. In fact, Dr. Sussman wrote a great book called Man the Hunted. Uh, the idea that if we were in nature with no mechanical objects and, and the reason why we had to you know, congregate and try is to protect ourselves. Almost every animal on the planet is much bigger and stronger and more capable for those tasks than we are. <laughs> we were running. We were the hunted. They look back and say, like, the odd, the, the, you know, humans back then, and whether that's act perfectly accurate, can anyone really say? But if we were 5'9 and about 100 pounds, like, how many animals, how many animals can you, you can't even, you can't catch a squirrel. You, you can't get, there's no, almost no animal you can catch out in the wild right now, physically, mechanically. They're faster than us. They jump higher. They run higher. They climb faster. They, they, They've got longer teeth, sharper claws. I mean, the list goes on and on. <laughs> that absolutely did not happen. If they subsisted in survival times on small amounts of animal flesh on occasion, that was usually them foraging what was left there a by carcass, another yeah. predator, a carcass from another predator. And they only got small, tiny percents of their diet. But let me do you one better. This was published in the New York Times in 1969, I think it was. Another brave anthropologist looked through the dental structure of all pre 
human and humanoid-like type species for as long as they can find, and there was only evidence of one food ever touching their teeth. Fruits. For 12 million years. Fruit. For 12 million years. Well, you would think if they were real carnivores, you might have saw a little bit of evidence of that on those teeth. For 12 million years. Now, don't quote me in the exact details of that study. It's been a long time since I've read it. But, you know, this guy was not wrong. And we would have been the hunted. What the hell do you think we were really hunting in the wild? Uh, come on. Ask anyone who goes to Africa or, or any of these countries and safaris. They're scared shitless. And they have bodyguards there with guns and fires. And when they want to get close to the animals, they put them in container tanks and places with windows and protection. And and they know that if a, a stampede or a herd or one cat, even though we're not natural prey for them, got a little too hungry and we were close by and an easy target, we don't stand a chance. What, 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 we, we were going to compete with those other predators and out-hunt them? Do you really think that was happening? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's you and a cheetah both hunting down the so same what's prey. The best, what's the best argument like for eating meat? <laughs> that, 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 yeah. uh, is, there, uh, is there one in your, in your opinion, in your experience? It, it had historical significance probably in some subcultures, in, sub, in some harsh climates where it was necessary for survival at the times in the absence of other food sources. Yeah, like but in the, the wilderness. The whole, but the whole point that everybody loses is that are we trying to define what humans can survive on or are we trying to define what humans can thrive on? So this is a big, this is a big thing that – like you brought it up one time in a video that I watched and there's this whole idea of the ketogenic diet – like use it, eating a ton of fat, like butter and avocados and coconut oil, and having your body use run on ketones. And you were talking about how that is what happens when you are in survival mode. Yes. And as soon as you it, just pointed it out and you distinguish it that way, I was just like, "Do I want to be in survival mode? Well, do who I want to thrive? Be in survival mode, or do you want to thrive?" <laughs> You know, it's so obvious. So it's survival mode versus thriving mode. And then, you know, for the listeners who want to hear in-depth stuff, I've got lots of videos on the subject with a lot of depth in it. And I've challenged people over and over. Like, nobody can, nobody has and nobody will because it doesn't exist any intelligent arguments against these points, either the logic or the science end of it. Like, the first principle argument is anatomical design. What is your digestive anatomy most accurately designed for you? We all had toys when we were kids where the star fits in the star, the triangle fits in the triangle, and the square fits in the rectangle. And I don't care what the hell you do. You cannot get those other pieces into those slots because they don't belong. And it's much like the chicken example I used earlier. Clearly it doesn't belong because if you try to do what a real carnivore did, you die. Period. Uh, that is death. Anything that can equal death in 12 hours from three ounces is like just like I don't understand how people make a case. In fairness, there are also vegan doctors online talking basically about the all bean diet. But six kidney beans raw can kill you also like they're lethal. Wow. And every kid, every kid in the world knows that beans, beans, the more you eat, the more you toot, you know, wherever that song goes. Like <laughs> we know that beans are hard on digestion. Like that's just another hint from nature saying if beans are condiment – if beans are a condiment in your life, you're going to get on just fine. No one's saying to run scared from them, but you're not supposed to. That's not where the diet's supposed to be. And I lost my point, and I apologize. Um, 
the ketogenic diet is the definition of survival mode. It is the definition of survival mode. That is your body's mechanism for survival. It's exactly what it's doing. And it puts all the other organs and systems on compensation mechanisms. They're constantly trying to eliminate acids in various different ways. Like your body's producing acetone. So you think living in a steady state of acetone in your blood was going to improve your health, but you would never believe that if I gave you a small bottle of acetone, like nail polish remover, and say, here, drink this, it'll improve your health. You'd never believe me when I said that in a million years. But you're going to force your body into a state where it's producing it constantly. And how and much stress does that create in the body to, to, to be stress. on these backup systems? Enormous stress. Listen, there's a, there's a guy who's like as ignorant as, pos- as, as, as ignorant as any human could possibly willfully try to be online. And so he tried to make a point saying, I'm going to go on the all carnivore diet for a year. And then he posts his blood tests. His testosterone levels were that of a 100-year-old man. So everyone says meat to get strong. No, their testosterone levels are a 100-year-old man. Like what are you talking about? Even people on non-distinct vegan diets, meaning – some of the, many of them were eating Oreos and Twinkies that were you know vegan friendly. Still had almost normal testosterone levels. This guy just did it for one year and he had the testosterone of a hundred year old man. His blood sugar, which they say is the real reason for the ketogenic diet, that, that's that's what they say is the reason his blood sugar was that of a diabetic. So clearly. All of their mythology and theories are not true. These were born from the meat and dairy industry, and they hire the same companies as the tobacco spin companies used many years ago. And the exact opposite of the result that they're stating that they're after is what's being produced. You know, they talk about insulin growth factor and all this stuff and how you're going to cut that down for cancer and stuff. Yeah, but but one of the universities did a study with all the different diets, and guess which one produced the most insulin growth factor and which one produced the least? The exact opposite of what they're saying. You know, like it doesn't equate. It doesn't equate. Fruit, on the other hand, just to make one last simple, easy point. Let Let me reframe this for people. Disease ought to be spelled dis-ease. It is the body out of ease. There's, there is no other better definition. It's the most simple. It's the most obvious. It is dis-ease. Okay. If you want – your body has a finite amount of resources. It's either going to expend it on digestion, which is a very taxing process. It's going to invest a lot of energy on digestion, or it's going to invest it in healing and repair, so eating the foods that are hardest on digestion is the hardest is the is the is the most counterintuitive way to get your body into ease. On the other hand, if I eat a peach, by the time I've taken a bite into the second half of the peach, the first half is already in my bloodstream. It's that effortless. It was the original fast food, except it's instant. Mm. You know, so if I want my body to be in ease, what is the easiest thing I could be eating on digestion? And then my body has so much extra energy to expend elsewhere doing other things. So this and, is what I this is what I've been um, finding recently because there was about there's about two years where I was raw vegan. This was I think tw- 2009, 2010, 2011, around that time. Um, and then I started traveling and I started introducing meat like slowly back into my diet. And it hasn't been until maybe in the last two months, I'd say, where like I'm, I'm back like eating much more mindfully and like, it's just, it's super, super easy on the body. I could already feel the, the difference in my body. Like I start my day with a shake, uh, for lunch, we have huge salads, 
and it's all alive. It's just it's 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 so um, it's so mind blowing that I've kind of strayed off of that path for so many years. But I would love to hear the kind of experiences your your clients get, and what's the what time frame do they start experiencing um, uh, differences and noticing the difference when they transition? Well, it has more to do with discipline than anything else, right? So whether you're going whether you're trying to do one third of your day better or two thirds or three thirds, let's say you're eating three meals of the day. Most people don't go all the way to the three thirds mark, especially when they hear me talk about, listen, unless you're trying to recover a serious health problem, mostly right. Most of the time is, is good enough. The body is very resilient. We, you know, we see, we see the Morgan Spurlocks of the world who eat McDonald's for 30 days. He almost died, but um, you know, (laughs) neither here nor there, but uh but you can survive on that for a period of time. So the clients do get better. But you know, I love what you talk about raw foods. If, if you want to feel alive, how about eating foods that are alive instead of dead? Like that's just common sense. Another great and common fresh sense. Fresh and colorful and just easy to digest. Like you just instantly feel it. It's already in your body. And here's another thing. It, here's, this is a real simple rule of thumb. If if the food doesn't die, it'll probably kill you. And if it does die, it's probably good for you. It's just really, really simple stuff. <laughs> um, but anyway, the, the clients can feel better right away depending on how, how disciplined they are. You take the average person on their diet with lots of errors in judgment because that's what I like to refer to them as. It's a gross error in judgment to be to be thinking that chicken that will kill you at three ounces in 12 hours is, is good for you. But – if they have digestive problems, listen, just go just go eat the way I'm talking about for three days and your digestion will improve immediately as long as you are following the distinctions. Like for sure, your digestion will improve immediately. It won't be perfect immediately, but that's okay. We also have herbs and some specialized supplements and some different things that can correct the organs that got damaged from all the former errors in judgment. Right, so there's eating well today, but then they're saying, okay, but the way I was eating before created some spleen damage and some liver damage and some kidney damage. It's going to take a little while to fix that. And and, and herbs and supplements aren't aren't necessary, but they compress time frames. Mm. Right, so they're very helpful. They're excellent tools. And there are some health problems that have gone too far that you will never correct with diet. I don't know why that is, but they just just you just like won't. what. Well, just a lot of people have just gone too far sometimes where the organs and systems have broke down and they're not going to turn it around without herbal support and sometimes other external supports. They're just not going to. Um, herbs are very powerful. I mean that's why most animals in nature are themselves herbalists. They self-medicate. They know exactly where the real medicine is. They don't go to the pharmacy. <laughs> like, what, what are people <laughs> thinking? You know, what are they, Where do you think it comes from? Um, but anyway um, – so no, pe- people people get well really fast if they want to. Most people are content with getting well slower so long as they know they're on the right track and they didn't have to give up and change everything. What right? have been the most impactful changes, that win- winnable changes that your clients have made? Well, everything's winnable if they're yeah. disciplined enough. Okay. Everything's winnable with the discipline. Let's say like I first like- steps like uh... – yeah, I, I use this story with people. Like, take cancer, for example, because, you know, that's part of my theme or brand in the health world or whatever, because it was the original thing that got me on this path. Yeah. Uh, here's what I tell people all the time you have an obligation and a responsibility to make an investment in your health on a regular, consistent basis. 
Now, in terms of monetary means, you can call it whatever, $2, $3, $5. I don't know what that magic number is. It also depends on the size of your family, your home, and all those things. But you need to invest on a daily basis on your health, and most people don't do that, and they go decades and decades and decades of not doing it. And then the entire debt with interest comes due on one day. All of those $5 daily investments that you didn't make are going to come due on one day when you get cancer because you are not – there's only one path out of cancer, only one long-term, sustainable, predictable, reliable, not perfect, not guaranteed, but with some predictability, reliability, long-term solution to cancer, and that is the healing path. And that healing consists of dealing with the multifactorial reasons for why you were sick in the first place. And that extends beyond diet. So if you have nutritional deficiencies, yeah. excess toxicity that is built up. It's one component. That inclu- right, it's just one component. Water. The, the water we are consuming currently has somewhere in the range of 80,000 plus chemicals, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of which are not regulated, hundreds and hundreds of which have been proven to cause cancer, to, cro- to cause birth defects, to turn boys into girls and girls into boys, and to, to fuel cancer growth and all these different chemicals. They're in there. No, everyone wants to put their head in the sand, you know, because denial is not just a river in Egypt, but they're there. And so what happens, like you talk about like instrumental and winnable and these big things, like so someone uh, abused their body for five decades and that bill comes due. They can, they can heal from cancer, but now they need to buy the water filter. So let's say your water filter, if you space that out over time, let's say that was a dollar of your $5 investment or whatever, and another dollar was organic versus conventional, and another dollar was sleeping on a bed that didn't poison you, and another dollar was for chemical-free you know, personal care products, and another dollar was for, uh, I don't know, your gym membership, however you want to divide that up. But all of those things matter. You, you sleep in your bed one-third of your life. Mm-hmm. You're sleeping on a bed that's poisoning you. It makes no sense whatsoever. If air quality is like 10 times or higher, worse indoors than it is outdoors, and it's really bad outdoors, and we already know that, and you spend 80% of your life in the home, and you're not concerned about the pollution of your air, it doesn't make any sense. So, you know, if that's only 50 cents a day to have clean air, whatever that is for your family, like you didn't, you shirked those investments. And so when someone gets really sick, it's winnable. But now you've got to fix the liver, the kidney, the spleen, the heavy metals, the diet, the changes, the personal care products, sometimes even the building materials, the the Wi-Fi. They sleep with their cell phones. They didn't filter the air. They sleep on shitty beds. That's a big bill that comes due in one day. It's a lot of change that comes in one day. That's overwhelming. Well, but that was whose fault? Like everyone thinks the government is responsible for their health care. Like that thinking is so wrong. Like I'm me responsible. One thousand percent. Yeah, I wanted to ask. Like, tell tell us about the role of responsibility and how you see that playing out in people's health and well being, and how you incorporate that into the work that you do. Well, I mean, that's that's usually where I get all my critics and haters because I'm I tell people all the time that their life is one thousand percent you responsible, like, and I'm not going to negotiate on that. Like, there's just no value in negotiating for it, even if it were true. You know, like Oprah was victimized, but she chose not to play victim. She grew up in hard times, as did many other. Uh, successful people who are out there today they overcame those circumstances and your parents may have fed you garbage and taught you wrong when you were a kid but there's plenty of adults who've changed and decided they wanted something better and different for their lives so it's available to you so it was available you simply didn't choose it 
You know, you, you can't tell me that you've never heard once of a water scandal in all of your decades of living. And, you know, you just didn't choose to do something about it. You, Everyone's known since the day they were born, you know, basically for all practical purposes, regardless of all the dietary fads that are out there. Everybody knows they're supposed to eat more fruits and vegetables, period. Everybody knows that. You just <laughs> didn't choose it. Five percent of the grocery cart is produce and ketchup counts in that definition. I'm not going to make excuses for the mistakes you did in the past, and I have a lot more respect for someone who just owns the responsibility of saying, I fucked up in the past. I'm going to do better today. I'm going to do different going forward, and I'm, I'm, I'm totally responsible. All these diseases, you're right, they are very contagious, but they're caught on the end of forks. Not in the air like people think. They're caught on the end of forks. That's how contagious they are. <laughs> and people say, obesity runs in my family. I say, no, it's that nobody runs in your family. <laughs> <laughs> No, habits run in families, not genes. You know, that's why no one complains at the family gatherings, because they all eat the same way. No one's got any complaints to lodge. They all eat the same way. Um, and, 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 and I'm sorry I'm bopping around, you know, right? but I like these little witty anecdotes, because I hope sometimes they stick in people's heads and say, but that's usually where people get pissed off, and that's usually a lot of people who follow me for years and years and years and never call, they say, I knew you were going to tell me I should be more responsible and I could make more <laughs> changes, and I only wanted to make small changes. And because I, you know, one of a part of my shtick is always like there are no three magic pills, and I don't care whether it comes from nature or a lab. There are no three magic pills, and every year the magic pill changes. One year it's resveratrol, next week it's turmeric, one year it's ginger, then it's uh, hemp. This year it's this yeah. year it's cannabis, and next year it'll be some new magic pill. I, I've put very sick people on all of these magic pills because I, too, get susceptible to buying into some of these things. And I, too, can see that there are thousands of studies on cannabis and turmeric and all these things. But none of those things the turn thing. anybody they're not, around. The, yeah, they're not the thing. And I don't care if they take three on. or five of them. None of those magic pills turn any truly sick person around. I've tried it. It doesn't work. And the more they want to believe into that, the less discipline they do in the diet, the, the more they skip the workouts, the more they skip the stress. It's more integrated so so. as opposed to just you know, take the cannabis and that's it. No, it's, it's actually it would have to be in a combination of so many other things like you were saying, like you're sleeping in a, in a chemical-free bed, like your air is filtered, your water is filtered, you're eating well, you're moving your body. Um, I'm, I'm curious way... to know about self-worth from your perspective, ah. because I, I feel like there's so many strategies, there's so many books, there's no shortage of knowledge. We have Google. And even though people know they don't do it. And part my theory is because they don't have a level of self-worth or self-love that has them say, hey, I, I'm, I deserve better. Like I, need to, I deserve a better quality of living in my food, in my movement, in my relationships. And, that, and without that, how will these 30-day you know, diets like turn into a lifestyle as opposed to just, this is just my 30-day cleanse? The the word die is in the word diet. Like people ought to sit for like take a look at that, you know. And, and I'm with you on change. And that was fantastically insightful to talk about self love because I, it's what it always boils down to. It, it it always boils down to that and subconscious programming. But the subconscious programming leads to what they believe they're really worth and you know what they deserve. 
people tend to get in life what they deserve, whether it be in their economics and their finances and their, you know, in their health. They tend to get what they deserve. in their relationships. They tend to get what they deserve, what they believe subconsciously that they deserve. Right. Now, the, the conscious mind, and the subconscious mind are not always congruent. But but there's always a disconnect there, you know, but a lot of people go to visit institutions throughout their entire lives that tell them that being a human is something they should feel guilty for. And then oh. they wonder how that gets into their subconscious and has no effect on it. Of course it does. But I also see people who hire me, ask for advice, and then they skip all these steps and I follow up. How are things going? I didn't do this step. Why? That was the easy step. It didn't require any discipline. It didn't require any changes. It wasn't about diet. It wasn't anything. It was just taking one supplement for this one particular problem. And I told you how important it was, and you skipped it. Why? Why? Uh, well, I was, I was scared of it. No, no, that's not true. You called me because you, you, you hired me because you trust me. And I've done this that like I've done this so many times with people. This is, this is not something to be scared of. So why don't you do it today? Well, I don't know. It's just that I'm scared of it. Or maybe it's subconscious self-sabotage, you know, like because that's exactly what's going on. Like if you don't love yourself, you're not going to do it because it's an act of self-love to make all of these good choices. Yes. And of course, it's a huge act of self-love to say, of course, I crave a crappy, savory breakfast some mornings like anybody else. But uh, and not every time, all the time. I usually wake up and say, you know what, I want to feel good and I want to look good and uh, I'm going to make the smart choice today and I'm just going to go and get the most nourishing stuff and, and, and go do the easy thing for my breakfast instead. And it's, it's the better choice. And a self-loving person at least does that, mostly right things most of the time because mm -hmm. that's a self-loving thing. If you're just on a train wreck of nonstop abuse – and some people just can't stop abusing themselves. And then when they lose the weight, they feel the need to, to abuse themselves right back to the old weight. Well, what, what's causing that? They feel better. They're excited. They're telling you. They look better. They're excited. They're posting pictures. They're all proud of it. And then they abuse. They know how to do it now. They, know, they even have experience doing it. They've even experienced all the benefits, and they still sabotage themselves on the way back. So, yeah, the subconscious mind is playing a huge factor. What, what's the appropriate intervention when it comes to a, this lack, when there's a lack of self-love that they do self-sabotage? Is, is there a way that you can address it? Well, I wish there were perfect ways. I mean, yeah. there's lots of people that talk about hypnosis and meditation and counseling and all that stuff. I tell people in the beginning uh, – for, for starters is this, you're gonna, your subconscious mind is constantly taking feedback from your environment, constantly, constantly, constantly. So if you discipline in the short term acts of self-love, at least you start to reprogram the nervous system that you're constantly making these self-loving choices and you're telling the subconscious that you're worthy of something different, that you're going to do something different and you're getting better and you deserve better and you just keep feeding that stimulus back into the system. There's some reprogramming that goes on. You have to at least be scratching the old record that's playing on repeat and on loop. Like you're doing some record scratching if you're disciplining some self-love, right? So – I always talk to people about leverage. I always talk about getting leverage on yourself. So, you know, if you want to lose weight, then you go into the, your walk-in closet or your bathroom or whatever, and you post pictures of yourself that you hate, na naked or near-naked, vulnerable pictures that you hate, and those are beside pictures of people with the same body type. Don't pick someone that doesn't have the same body type as you that might be the rock. 20 pounds. 
that might be yeah that might be 20 pounds lighter and some of them might be 40 pounds lighter so you have these interval goals but you also have an ultimate goal and you've got these positive sayings and so you're you know you're controlling the stimulus in your life same with controlling what you will listen like you're advertising to. to yourself in a way Advertising to yourself. So if you want to lose weight, watch fitness before and after videos regularly. It's going to constantly mm. remind you of what you want. It keeps you focused on your goals and you're reprogramming and reprogramming yourself. You're at least scratching the record. So it sounds like you're, right? really, you're really into having people keep identifying the contrast, keep identifying the contrast. Like here's the difference. Here's the before. Here's the after. You know, Here's the before of me. Here's the after of what I want to look at. So you're kind of constantly – Having people distinguish between the two sounds like. Well, that's like. a big part of it, but also accountability. Like send me food journals, send me whatever. Pick a date that you're sending me new pictures and new measurements, and you're sending them whether you like them or you hate them. Mm. And, then, and then pick a date that you're renting out a local billboard where you're going to put naked pictures up there if you don't hit your goal. Huh? Okay? <laughs> and, then, and you pay for the billboard ahead of time, and you're either going to put an ad up for your business if you succeed, and that's a good investment in yourself, or if you don't succeed, you're putting the naked pictures up there. <laughs> uh, you know, like whatever, whatever that is for you, you're going to use some carrot and some stick on yourself. But here's the other big thing that I haven't touched on I think is really, really important. You need to identify all of the local things in your world, in your life, in your re regular routines and habits that reinforce those old subconscious identity metaphors and your subconscious self-worth or lack of self-worth. If you're going to an institution one time a week that's telling you that you ought to feel guilty all the time for being a human this past week – you might want to walk the hell away from there because nothing good is going to come from that. Why would you deserve better if you felt guilty because you violated all these imaginary things that aren't true and real about yourself? I, another thing I ask people to do is do me a favor and write down a really honest, genuine list of the reasons why you don't deserve X, Y, Z. Like really try hard to write real reasons. Nobody can ever write any good reasons for why that is. Yeah. You know, and I love – I'm a big fan of Joe Dispenza and quantum physics and all that stuff. So, you know, like Joe says, like, you wake up every single morning and you get up and you brush your teeth in the same way. You go to the bathroom in the same way at the same time and the same alarm clock. And then you grab your favorite mug of coffee and then you have the same breakfast and you call mom at the exact same date and time. And then you go to the office and see the same coworkers and on and on. And you're expecting something new or extraordinary to happen in your life when you – Every minute of your day was spent reinforcing who you believe you are already. And you want something different. You want to be somebody new, something new, something better. And you're constantly reinforcing all of the old, just constantly with your every move, every action, every conversation, every routine, every ritual. And since those are all rituals and they keep you, you just stay in, in the groove, like that's just like constant. It's the record, right? You're in, so you got to find ways to scratch the record. But but if rituals are keeping you there, why not have new rituals that move you into someplace different? Rituals that scratch the record. A ritual of listening to wow, Les Brown or whoever the hell you like or Jim Rohn in the morning instead of calling your mom or some other victim in your life or you know whatever that mm -hmm. is. Like you have a new ritual, and there's a ritual that I work out at this time of day. 
you know, and it happens whether I feel like it or I don't. That's the ritual. And this is my breakfast, whether I like it or feel like it or I don't, because that's the ritual, right? And so you, some new rituals can at least reinforce a new identity at some point in time. And you know, you got to change the way you think. Like if you go around telling people that, you know, I'm into health and fitness, I'm a fit guy. I'll tell you what, my fitness goes up and down like any other human. And I never feel good about it. And because I'm always talking to people about their health and their fitness online, offline, whatever, man, do I feel guilty when the zig and zag goes off because that's a part of my identity metaphor and people are always looking at me for it. Like, so I do stray, but I don't stray near as far as anybody else because I'm constantly re-identifying, re-identifying that metaphor is that, you know, I'm I'm a fit and healthy person, you know, what's your challenge right now? Like what's your what's your new habit or your new rituals that you're trying to adopt? Ah, well, I mean, I have challenges for sure. Uh, a challenge is trying to be on social media, speak the truth, and remain sane uh, simultaneously. Tell me how you. Okay, okay. I want to hear about that because you get a lot of crap, man. Yeah, it's ugly sometimes. Because uh, um, people are very, very attached to their identities, uh, their the dogmas. And what they know, and anytime they see something that they don't know, um, immediately it creates fear or rejection or judgment or whatever it is. And I mean, read, reading some of the comments, I'm just like, wow, I can't believe like these are people's real Facebook accounts. You know, they're not like fake <laughs> names and things like that. Like these are people well, actually. Some of them are saying, fake names. Yeah, maybe some of them are fake. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. how do yeah, you how do you manage with that? Like, how do you? Cool. Well, some of the some of them are paid trolls, so you have to accept that. You know that that does help. Uh, and they are there are there's unemployed, educated people living in their parents' basement who can get jobs. You know, going around spreading hate online. So I mean that that happens. But um, uh, yeah, it, it it is it is a challenge because you realize that your intentions were only to help someone, and stating it in a bold way sometimes is to smack people out of their comfort zone. Um, I know that all truth passes through three stages. First is ridicule, then is violently opposed, and then it becomes self-evident. And it would be really nice to live in a world where adults were adults and they took 100% responsibility for their reaction to something. You know, this like it's their responsibility. They can react however they choose, but they're simply not choosing it. I know that is their stage and their dissonance and their guilt. Like you tell someone that vaccines are harmful to your health, people's guilt is so parental guilt is like one of the strongest forces on the human planet uh and people are so ridiculously irrational like they're not gonna own the guilt and responsibility that they harm their child if there's any anyone who will give them a slightest excuse or out of getting out of that guilt instead of owning it i could just blame somebody else blame the messenger which is what people always do they blame the messenger um it doesn't make it untrue and of course we used to believe those same things. The only difference between me and them is that I read the 500 studies on vaccines in existence, and they were all negative. <laughs> and so I'm deciding, and I see how many people get harmed by it. So I'm trying to prevent families from harm because going backwards is very hard. After that's all that we're trying to do, mm-hmm. you know. And then when someone who has cancer, and then they say, "Well, you gotta fix my problem. You're hiding the three magic pills that I need from me." In the meantime, they're 400 pounds. They've been abusing themselves forever. They went through 23 rounds of chemo, 43 rounds of radiation. They've got all these dental problems, implants, tattoos, uh, every 
wrong thing you could imagine. They're on 13 pharmaceuticals, and it's like, you know the cure. You're just not telling us. Oh, God, please. Or you're telling them that going to get chemo is not going to work, uh, you know, and, like, you're trying to tell them in bold ways to try and shake them out of complacency. At least go research, like, or make funeral arrangements. Those are your two choices. Like, I'm not going to give you an answer you want to hear when it's simply not true. That's not my role. That's not my job. You can react however you want to the message. Uh, long story short is when you do that for a long period of time, it gets very tiring. It's very old. It does. Does it you know, wear it on you? How, it doesn't matter how thick your skin is. And I've got thick, much thicker skin than most. It wears on you. And then it affects your personal relationships. And then it makes like every naturopath I know, if they find another business opportunity to allow them to retire earlier, they're getting the hell out. They can't wait to get the hell out. Telling people the truth is a shitty business, and people have the audacity to accuse us that we do it for the money. Oh, my God. Yeah, because you, you, you were saying that I, you, you, you would much rather just be doing something fun, entrepreneurially, start a Absolutely. business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in, the, and in the past, and in fairness and in full disclosure, I've had other businesses in the past that were more fun, that provided ample money. And, and those were a lot more fun, and I'd much rather doing that. And then we slowly get sucked back into these things sometimes by other people's sob stories. Uh, once in a while, a business doesn't work out, and you say, well, you know what? I've got this other expertise and skill set, and there's lots of, still lots of sick people out there who need help. Mm-hmm. And, and it is rewarding to help the few who want the help. But, you know, it's not like you – know, I had this guy. He said this great saying. He said MD stands for mucho dinero. ND stands for no dinero. Uh, because NDs are predicated on the business of NDs is about being proactive. In most cases, it's the business of being proactive. Which is not sexy. Which is not sexy. Nobody does it. Nobody wants to do it. And when it's not proactive, we're in the business of telling the people they have to change everything. Um, Which that's not the good news bear. (laughs) People love Good news about their bad habits, and they hate bad news. They they hate good news about the bad. You know, vice versa. You know that works. They hate that stuff. So it's a, it's it's not it's not. No one gets into this for the money and for the business. You're in this mm-hmm. because you care and you and you and you gave a shit. But eventually, finding lots of really delusional, angry victim people who want to just blame the messenger all the time for telling what is absolutely verifiably true. Um, and they won't reread the evidence ever. It doesn't matter how much evidence you provide to these ignoramuses, and they're everywhere. Uh, yeah, it gets super. Yeah, it's the voluntary. Uh, you know, it's the voluntary blinders on. It's like, it's oh voluntary. yeah, if I watch that, or if I listen to this, if I read that, then I know it's going to change me, so I'm not going to. I know I've done that. I call it the scientist being the non-scientist. A lot of them claim to have some scientific educational background, and I and I say, okay, okay, let's just let's just. Two things I want from you before we continue the discussion. Number one, you tell me about the, you tell me about the burden of proof. You tell me about the thing that objectively you will change your mind as long as you see said evidence. So I tell people all the time, if you can show me one human that produces the enzyme uracase, I will agree with you that some people were designed to eat meat and some were not. Show that- me one human and I will change my position and I will open my mind full heartedly. Okay, so there's my, there's, there is my criterion for where I will change before we continue the debate. What's yours? The question never gets answered. 
And and I I, I I usually lay out more than one. I'm using one example. And then I say, show me show me the criterion for what I have to. Where's the burden of proof I have to provide? Where you will change your position, let it go, be objective, be rational, and state, okay, I'm going to change my position. And then I say, okay, and and then I say, where's your proof for your statement? No, 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 hearsay, 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 propaganda sites, propaganda blog, hearsay. You know, you, you I, did you did you or did you not agree that PubMed, although imperfect, is the best source for science that we have? Good. Then it shouldn't be hard for you to bring studies that prove your point. I'm going to bring 50 of them in the meantime, and I saw not one of yours. And then they still go on with propaganda blog, talking point from the TV, talking point from the TV. My great grandpappy, it, it, it and it, it becomes. It literally becomes an insult to the waste of time. You well, know, the, ch- the challenge is is that you, it's, it's not necessarily you're arguing a person. You're arguing somebody who has their whole life intertwined with how this idea impacts the the money, the relationships, the community, the reputation, the status, history, momentum. There's so much behind that, and I think if you pull the rug out from underneath that's like that whole identity statement conversation we were having it's just like well who am i now now that if you know if if my whole philosophy has been completely annihilated what's I left hear, i think that's I a hear, threat that's a huge threat it, it is it is a huge threat for a lot of people but what's on the end of your fork shouldn't have your yeah. entire identity rooted in <laughs> right? it. god damn it it's only one small part of my life like i've got a lot of in, other interesting things and things i'm interested in and interesting about me outside of what's on the end of my fork yeah. and, you know and i'm the first person to 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 get rid of the dogma and say no no i just want to be objective first and decide what i'll live with i'm not talking about living perfect and i respect people who are logically consistent and objective and reasonable. Okay, so mm. all that's all I'm asking for someone in a public forum. If someone says, "Listen, I, I want to eat bacon cheeseburgers," I'm not willing to give them up. I say, "I respect that. I respect that more than anything else." You know, because they're choosing it what, as opposed to like. Just say that shit. Just say that shit. It's the honest thing. Stop wasting people's times in public forums. The problem is in a public forum is I have a lot of people watching, some of whom are paid clients, right. who are looking for distinctions. They want to know the truth. They're tired of be con- being confused. They heard about that fad too, and they're hoping I'm going to set the record straight. It's not that I want to be argumentative and waste my time mm, with these you're morons. Doing a service. Do whatever the hell you want to do in your spare time, but just don't waste our time in a public forum. Just tell me what's objectively true, what's logically consistent, what you're willing to live with or what you're not willing to change. I'm simply stating what you're saying is not factually accurate it's not true is there anything and, recently like in the last 12 so months that, oh that you have that you have had to let go of something that you uh i guess maybe found a study that went against like a practice or uh i mean every now and then i come across studies of things that i realize oh wow there's a one little you know maybe that maybe that was a chink in the armor mm, you know yeah. i'll give i'll give i'll give an example like I've never, never been a proponent of saying that processed oils improve your health. That seems like the most misnomer, ridiculous thing in the world. No, but it's olive oil and it's healthy. I heard of a Mediterranean diet. I'm like, if you're using it sparingly, life will go on. But I don't believe that processed oils improve your health. You want some all? If you, I'm not going to argue that olives aren't healthy. Eat olives, but that processed oil has got a lot of steps. Olives to to an oil. 
And so there's lots and lots of studies on coconut oil. It's easy to fall into the trap of saying, maybe, maybe it's good for you. Maybe it's good for you in small quantities. Maybe, and then you got other people are saying, yeah, the, the way to start your day is eating six tablespoons of coconut oil. <laughs> Put it in your coffee. <laughs> Put it in your coffee. That's how you get healthy. Okay, yeah. Uh, I, I've never subscribed to that, but then uh, then you come across. I came across a couple studies recently showing the dirty side of the coconut oil industry. So even the maybe kind of sort of health benefits I was in my mind giving credit to, I realized they're not true. Yeah. Uh, so I'm willing to use a little. Or the negatives in- outweigh it. Yeah, and if, if you're using a little, life will go on, right? But to to pretend that it improves your health, like when people say, no, nah, a bottle of coconut oil is how you get rid of Alzheimer's. A That's bottle? Funny. I, 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 it's funny. I get rid of Alzheimer's without that stuff, and I would never do, never recommend that. Like, yeah, but I heard it once on a – yeah, okay, okay. So, no, yeah, we all we all get those small course corrections on things. I heard lots about the nightshades for years. I never bought into it, uh, and then of course it's resurfaced lately as this another new fad. And That's another thing it. that I heard recently that nightshades uh, are uh, inflammatory, uh, and I'm just like, uh, I don't think uh, I've never heard that in my life. It's interesting. Yeah, it used to be a popular mythology it was destroyed. It somehow come back again. How come you things know? keep coming back? Like butter, butter is back, and how come things? Keep... <laughs> Why is that? Uh, because the tobacco, the spin, the spin marketing companies that tobacco companies used to hire, those spin marketing companies, they used to say the confusion is our product, and it is their product. Confusion is their product. So the, the the big industries, especially the meat and dairy board, hire them. That's a known fact, and their job is to keep people confused. And here's the great thing about confusion: confusion is wonderful for two things. Confusion is almost as powerful as the gene story, right? The pharmaceutical industry loves those two things because if I tell you that your genes are the determinant factor of your health and you're relegated to some predetermined whatever and none of your choices really matter all that much anyway, I can get you to self-abuse all day long and now I guarantee you're going to be a customer. I guarantee you a customer for life. I just have to give it time. I just have to give it time. Now, the confusion thing is the same because people so, – then they come on my page and then they go on some other moron's page and this other doofus – and this other insider's page and they say, I'm confused. One day this is good for me and this day is not. You know what? I'm just going to do what my great-grandpappy taught me anyway. And George Burns smoked till 103. And so that's all they need is to get a little confusion in your mind, and you just default to, I'm just going to do whatever the hell I want. Probably none of it matters anyway. And then it's the, maybe the scientists are confused. No, they're not. <laughs> they write lots of confusing studies out there to keep people confused, but they're not fundamentally confused. Like I'll say it another way to you. I, I go to this animal, local uh, animal naturopath, and she signs vaccine waivers for our pets. And I go in there, and she says, you know, Terry, geez, uh, cut some confusion for me. I gained a bunch of weight after my last kid, and I can't seem to get it off. And my friend's giving me the blood type diet, and it's the lectin diet, and it's the keto diet. And it's the whole. She goes, oh, my God, just, just please end it for me. I was all like, <laughs> oh, end some confusion. She goes, I never charge you full price because I learn – more from you I learn I learn more from you about animals than you do for me when you leave you're so knowledgeable and then you teach me your health stuff and so I'll give you a discount just end some confusion I said Chris I'll end this for you in three minutes 
I said, good. If I brought in, if I brought in an alligator for you right now, would you run blood tests on it before you'd prescribe a diet? She's like, no. I said, if I, if I brought in a cow who's got significantly more blood types than humans and I brought him in, would you run blood tests before you prescribe a diet? She's like, no. I'm like, well, and if I brought in a giraffe or a cat or a dog or a wolf or a cheetah or she's like, no, 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 of course not. I'm like, well, what's the answer? She goes, well, it's really easy. I would give them all a species-appropriate diet. I'm like, well, then why the hell would you think that your species was the exception? Unless, of course, you wanted to lie to yourself and, and use any invented justification to convince yourself that you could eat anything that you wanted. A species-appropriate diet was, of course, was always the answer. That's never changed. It hasn't changed in 10,000 years from now. In 10,000 years from now, someone ever finds this podcast, they're going to say, wow, they knew back then that fruits and vegetables were the health foods for humans. Wow, what a novel concept. For people who have no idea, share what the species-appropriate diet is, just to be really clear. Well, for we, humans, can get, for humans. We, can get, we can get very technical and get into a lot of distinctions. But put simply, like you were told since the day you were born that the chimpanzee is the same DNA and they look like you and they act like you and they have the same mechanical appendages. This hand fits around an apple, no problem. So does yours, so does his. You just easily you know, just pick a fruit from the... Pick a fr- and, and if you close your eyes and imagine in... In every language of the country, in, in, in the world, in every country of the world, in every language, I ask them, when you close your eyes, what do you see a chimpanzee eating? Guess what the answer is in every country of the world? <laughs> the banana. Like, uh, guys, it's not that common. Do you, do you think the chimpanzee got confused? Did he go to school where a pharmaceutical company was writing the textbooks to make sure that you create future customers? What about protein? What a protein. Did he read Bodybuilding Magazine? Was he reading Oprah Magazine or Elle or Vogue? Were they confused? Did somebody program them or did they already know exactly what to do? Oh, like, you know, there are a lot of distinctions in there for when you want to discuss the truth. And I go, so there's a simplicity to it. When, I mean, when you present to it, there's a, there's a, there's an extreme simplicity to the way that you deliver it. And I'm assuming that's because you've done this thousands and thousands of times to find out really, how do I make this digestible for people? Um, but when I, when I think about other people in this in this space, because it's very popular, the whole high fat thing and the keto thing, like a paleo thing, like it's very very popular. They even have their own conference, right? And um, like, I, I, do do they have doctors and experts and studies that completely go against this, or like what what's happening there? Because some people will just say, oh yeah, well if you look at these studies, then they're going to tell you to do the complete opposite. Like we're meant to eat meat. Well, the Meat and Dairy Board does yeah. put out some studies like this on purpose in, co- in collaboration with the Spin Marketing Company. Give you an example. I've got this. There's a video I've been wanting to do. I've got the windows open in my browser. There's, a, <laughs> there's, there's one document from one of these conferences that you can pull up, okay, put on by the, by the Meat and Dairy Board and blah, blah, blah. Okay, and then this guy, they've got some, some notes from some of the keynote speeches from there and, and a bunch of doctors who are doing this particular study, blah, 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 and the whole thing's put on by the spin marketing company. <laughs> all right, then you go and search PubMed, change the terms a little and use their names, and all of a sudden, boom, that study got, actually got published, the thing that they're presenting at the conference. It was a spin marketing conference, and all of a sudden, it's on PubMed, and then the, the, the ketogenic diet crowd says, eh, look, look. Look at that over there, Molly. 
that was put out by a spin marketing company very deliberately. It's it's in their it's in their memorandums for their conference saying that they were going to do it. They're talking about that they're going to do it, and then you go and cherry pick that study and say, "Hey, look," and then they say. Well, maybe everything was wrong about saturated fat. Oh, so that, see, this little cherry picking game goes on. What they, but the, what they refuse to acknowledge is that NEU5GC is in animal flesh and animal flesh only in all animal flesh and known to cause cancer. PHP is, is, is in all animal flesh known to cause cancer, blah, blah, blah. And then you take uh, more than half of the amino acids have been known to fuel, to fuel cancer. Several of them are written in multiple studies, time after time after time after time again, showing cancer studies have an absolute addiction to these certain amino acids. Those are pretty strong terms, and you're saying the ketogenic diet's the answer for cancer. Wait a second. They have an absolute – cancer cells have an absolute methionine dependency. Absolute methionine dependency. No researcher saying that unequivocally, and you're eating a high methionine diet now and saying the ketogenic diet's good for cancer. It doesn't make any sense. All of the, all of the heterocyclic amines – and there's other compounds like – I'm trying to simplify here – are all created when you cook animal flesh at high heat. It happens to all animal flesh in every instance of cooking it. There's no food chemistry textbook on the planet that will, that will refute this point that these highly, highly toxic chemical cancer-causing compounds are created in all cooked animal flesh. There's no exception to it. So it doesn't matter if it's free-range or organic. The NEU5GC uh-huh. is still there. The FIP's still there. It doesn't matter if they're saturated fat, high just fat, about or to low say. fat. It's still there. The amino acids are still there. All the hydrocyclic amines are still there. Then they did another study. I did a video about recently where they were looking at persistent organic pollutants. And persistent organic pollutants tend to accumulate in fatty tissue. And animal flesh, whether it's low fat or high fat, is significantly higher in fat than it is in anything else. It shouldn't be called a protein food. I hate when restaurants and chefs call it that. It should be accurately called a fatty food because that's what it is. Anyway, they did this study where they looked at organic versus non-organic. And in all 30 POPs, the organic POP contaminant levels, even the, in the organic free-range meat, were above all carcinogenicity levels. So it didn't matter if it was free-range or organic. I, I can give you 53 ways how it causes cancer. What are you talking about? And then in their model of the world, we're excluding the healthiest food of them all, which is fruit. Avoid <laughs> fruit. Sugar. Uh, all, of the cancer, all of the cancer-fighting benefits. There are multiple studies on PubMed, many of which have been documented showing side-by-side chemical constituents in fruit outperforming chemotherapy. But you can't find a study like that on animal flesh. Like, that doesn't make any – there are no studies like that. Even the spin marketing company couldn't invent a study about chicken fighting cancer. That's like such bullshit. It's such hogwash. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You're fighting – you're you're in an intense uh, battle. Oh, yeah, but I'm just showing you how they cherry pick, right? So you're saying – well, now they're saying, well, maybe saturated fat ain't so bad. Oh, let's sweep these other – Oh, no, I I just mean in in terms of like – what is behind that whole oh, right, messaging? Right. Like that is such a like that's that's a that's a lot of noise to go up against, and and I can see why, um, you know, making videos and like kind of putting yourself out there and making sure that that your your potential customers and your current customers are seeing that you like that you are responding to some of these things, like that can make it so so challenging. 
It's a, it's a real pain in the ass. But, I mean, I'll summarize the ketogenic diet like this for anyone listening. And you have to think about this <laughs> long and hard. Close your eyes, meditate on it, be intellectually honest, logically consistent. It doesn't matter if every study in the world was made up. It doesn't matter if no studies existed. It doesn't – like you eliminate all – imagine you never heard a study. Imagine no one ever told you. To believe in the ketogenic diet is to believe that bacon, lard, and processed oils – are healthier than apples, bananas, and mangoes. It is defi- that, that is the definition of the conversation at hand right now. You cannot eat raw bacon or raw lard, and if you eat a lot of raw processed oils, you're going to have a lot of health problems. That's why gallbladder surgeries are so massive around the planet right now, because high-fat diets are clogging the only organ and mechanism for the metabolism of high-fat ingestion. And it's breaking down across the planet. And people can pretend they're on a ketogenic diet or not. Most of the planet is basically on a ketogenic diet anyway. They only add a few distinctions into cell books. But all the gallbladders are breaking down. It doesn't work. But you really think that lard is superior to apples and bananas? (laughs) When did you ever hear growing up that uh, a pound of lard a day keeps the doctor away? (laughs) <laughs> no, but a pound of apples will. You know? uh, so what, what do we do, Terry? Uh, for, the people, a- for the people who are listening, they're probably mind-blown. They're probably triggered. They're probably uh, questioning all the things that they've learned or are seeing that, that's, in, that's in the mainstream, and they're in. Like, they're, like you have their mind open. What, do you see, what are some action items that you would suggest for them? Um. Stop trying to define health by only diet. That's a big part of the conversation I think always gets missed. That always gets missed by all health professionals included. Chemical exposures are very real. They've been proven to be extremely toxic at trace minute amounts. Like when we stain the deck, it's a it's a it's a clean organic stain, you know, non-VOC paints. When we change or renovate the house, it's a green guard building material certified. You know, I'm looking for the cleanest stuff I can find. I don't put any chemicals on or in my body. We filter the water. I do have a proper bed. We do filter the air. I'm very concerned. You have recommendations of this in your programs on your website. Yeah, it's it's all there for those who want it. And I'm not trying to make it about that. I'm trying to say, like, you cannot belittle these very real facts. Go on YouTube and watch the documentary called The Disappearing Male, which is currently blocked in a lot of countries. It was produced in Canada. was produced in Canada, blocked in many countries because they don't want you to see it. Um, that, that all these chemicals that are in the water, that, that, you know, what's happening to the amphibians, what's happening, it's in the toys, in the building material, it's everywhere. Like, you're never going to escape at all, but you can minimize a lot of it. You can, you should, and you are responsible for it, and you are not going to escape the consequences of not doing it. Yeah. Um, and so what, when I also talk about chemical-free living, that includes the doctor-recommended chemicals. Like you are not going to heal yourself with poison, and there's no re- need or justification for any drug in the world, period. Um, so chemical-free living is huge, but really embodying it is a very different story. So organic isn't perfect, so a lot of people like to justify not bothering with organic. Well, just because it's not perfect doesn't mean it's not wildly better. Doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. <laughs> um, you know, so you know, I'm just I'm I'm all about all encompassing. Like so stop every defining hum- health with just one dimension. Every human needs touch. 
We need a healthy sex life. We need exercise. We need proper rest. We need clean air, clean water. There's all these things for which there is no substitute. Diet or taking magic CBD oil, which is a processed oil, which is the entire world's bought into, which is complete BS, is not the path to health. <laughs> like, meanwhile, you're choking down your CBD oil with, with, a, with a Happy Meal. Like, it doesn't make any sense in the world to do that. It doesn't make any sense in the world to buy organic food and then sleep on a toxic bed. It doesn't make any sense in the world to like make one good choice and then poison yourself later in the day. Just counterbalancing just over and over. Right, right, you're just constantly – you're like, why don't you just minimize all your exposures as much as you can? Close the book. Those are the easy things. I love those things. I installed the filter once. So you just gave like 10 things. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I know, I know. But it's, it's set it and forget it stuff. I love those yeah, things. I replaced yeah. the bed once. I never have to make that choice ever again. I made the choice one time, and I'm going to benefit for 30 years from that choice one day, one time. I have to get up and choose breakfast every single morning. <laughs> I have to choose to snack or not snack to lunch, whether you know what to do for lunch and all that stuff. So what do I tell people all the time is like, listen, go do the easy things first. Recognize that you, you, fruits and vegetables are the health foods for humans. It's never going to change. And if you've lost your health in any way and you're currently accepting pharmaceutical Band-Aids or something like that, it's time to call expert guidance and get it fixed and get off of that stuff already because they come with very serious consequences, right? Like, Yeah, who are that, the people that need to be talking to you? Like what do your well, clients look like? Well, they can, be, they can be some people who are proactive. They're just hard to, to, hard to meet. They're, you know, they're hard to identify. <laughs> I was proactive. Like when I was learning and I believe in standing shoulders of giants, I went to naturopaths, homeopaths, chiropractors, Chinese medicine practitioners, and so on and so forth. And I paid for their advice when I needed zero of it. Yeah. And I went, to the, I went to the appointment to rip and garner and steal every distinction I could get from them about the things that actually made a real difference in health. And they would end the thing like, you ask me questions the entire time. Usually I take a health history. What did you want to fix anyway so I can send you home with some recommendations? I don't have any health problems. I was here You're to learn. Thank you for your them. time. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your time. You know, I paid for their time. So being proactive is okay. That served me really, really well over the years. But if you're on any kind of a pharmaceutical, any kind of a pharmaceutical, like just just call and get it handled. Put put that chapter of your life behind you. Mm -hmm. Don't accept any story from any doctor that you have some special disease. Everyone thinks their disease is special. It's like the thing that we all laugh about in our world. Like there's no such thing. Your disease isn't that special. There's no such thing as something we can't fix. It, there's, there, there's lots of problems you can't fix and may not be willing to fix, but there's nothing that we can't guide you on the path for. You know, we can show you how to fix that problem, so just get it handled. Um, I don't know what to say to people. Turn off all the fads and the blogs. Get off the social media nonsense groups. Recognize that those things are being put out to keep you confused. They're there to lie to you. They're there to make you sick. Just like everything in the hospital is either a customer creation or a customer retention strategy. There are no exceptions to that. It doesn't matter how long you want to dig for one. They don't exist. And standard blood tests don't tell you jack shit about your health. And that's by design. Anyway, I could, I, I could go on for as long as you want. I can go for as long as you want. But <laughs> turn off the nonsense, right? Like if you want to be healthy and you want to have a good quality of life, turn off the nonsense. Seek out good, honest, objective, logically consistent, rational 
intellectually honest people who are just trying and they may be imperfect, but at least they're trying and you should be able to spot them out because if they are making any enemies, they're probably not saying much of anything. Well, Terry, man, this has been a very, very eye-opening, ear-opening conversation. Like I know that when I listen to your videos, when I see your posts, I can already tell just, you know, and especially recently because I've been more kind of attentive to it. Maybe um, I've just been more receptive to it at this point to be a little bit more proactive, but it just has me reading new things and, and listening to new things and kind of like having me go in a completely different direction. And obviously that impacts uh, not just my life, but my fiance's life as well and, and how we live. And, um, and it's impacting the, the decisions that we're going to make about our lives moving forward. So just know that, you know, your, your, like your message is making it out to the people. Like it's, it's making an impact, man. And I'm, I'm super, super grateful for it. Well, I appreciate it, and I really appreciate you having me, and happy to do more in the future, this subject, other subjects, whatever, man. And we haven't, I haven't seen you in many years. It's long overdue. I want to meet that fiancé of yours. Yeah, where are you, you, know, where are you living now? Uh, upstate New York. But, uh, but How we far still is that from about, here? Uh, about an hour north of Albany. Okay. So it's, it's quite far, but if you look, measure out about an hour from Albany, we're in that, uh, we're in that area. But you know, we still go back to the GTA at times, and... Go back to visit. I've still got friends there, and you know, there's still some things your there family for us. Still so. in, in Mississauga as well? Uh, no, they they live or... in Eastern Ontario. But um, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I lived there in Mississauga for many years on my own. But when did you right. move? Ah, uh, oh, God, was it now? Four years ago, I think, something like that. Wow, and yeah, you got I married? Because I don't, I don't think I I I knew when you got married. So congratulations. Yeah, yeah. So I did get married, and it's uh, yeah. Well, you know, we could chat about that sometime too when we get together. I'd love for you to meet the wife and be good times and and eat some really yeah. good food and have some deep, powerful conversations. Oh man, I love it. It's it's it, there's far too people, far too few friends in our life that want to have more of those in-depth conversations about a wide variety of subjects. So I, I've always loved hanging out with you and uh, awesome. I was really happy you reached out, love, love reconnecting and love to do something sometime when we're in the GTA. We'll, we'll get together. Love it, man. Well, it's been an incredible honor to have you on the show sharing the truth bombs. I know a lot of people who are listening to this are just probably like maybe just mind blown or exhausted with all of the new, <laughs> the new insights and the new distinctions. But just, uh, I know that, you know, for the people who are listening, just realize that um, if you are receptive to this, just notice that your decision-making and the things that open up to you as choices, like all that's going to shift. Like the, the reality has shifted literally just by listening to some of the things that Terry has to say. And I, and I know that a lot of people got value from it. I, I can't wait to have you on again. Love to do it, man. Sincerely, love to do it again sometime soon. So reach out. Don't be a stranger. We'll talk again soon, buddy. Have a great day. And tell us where to find you. Uh, uh, just my first name, last name, dot com. And I'm also on Facebook a lot. It's probably the primary way to, uh, to get information from me. I put a lot of free videos out. I've got a great video library on there. So I would suggest that that's the best place for people to go. Uh, and if you find me on Facebook through Oliver, then you'll figure out how to spell my name and we'll be all good. Yeah, so terrytillart.com. That's double L, double A. Lots of great programs on there for you to check out. You got a weight loss program. You got a cancer program. Sure. And uh, yeah, the videos are probably the biggest thing on Facebook. Like you're super, super active. And actually your community is really active on there. So you can get see what the conversation is all about as well over there. Terry, man. Thank you so much for being on. Sounds great, Oliver. I'll talk to you again soon. Enjoy your day. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Bye. 
Hey guys, Oliver again. Before you take off, just wanted to give another huge thank you to Dr. Terry Tillard for coming onto the show. Make sure to check out his work at terrytillart.com. That's T-E-R-R-Y-T-I-L-L-A-A-R-T.com. Go hunt him down on Facebook for his massive video library where he explores a ton of research insights and distinctions that will be a huge benefit for the health of not only your life, but your family's life. As always, you can find the links to anything mentioned on the show at olivermanalise.com forward slash show. Of course, a huge shout out to my brother, Marlon Manalise, for setting up the show notes and helping facilitate the release of each episode. Again, quick reminder, on March 2nd and 3rd of 2019, I'm hosting Reinvention Roadmap. This is a two-day workshop experience dedicated to creating clarity, direction, and confidence as you navigate a change in your life. So if you're interested in accessing what is possible for you in your life, your business, and your relationships, head over to reinventionroadmap.ca for tickets and info and use the code word possibility to save yourself 10%. That is reinventionroadmap.ca promo code possibility. Please feel free to connect with me on Instagram. I'm pretty active there these days. You can find me at Oliver Manalise where I share a ton of posts about life, love, and leadership. And hit me up with a DM if you have any feedback or you just want to be in touch with me. That's a great place to do that. That's where I hang out a lot these days. Besides that, I am very honored to have you as a listener. Thank you, thank you, thank you. See you next time.